You know what it is. It's your boy Big Phil, and you're now listening to the Veal Radio Show. Where we chilling like villains with the homie Jay Harris, Shirk Dog, and yours truly. Yes. Jacksonville, what's going on? This is Jay Harris. We are now rocking with the Bill Radio Show. We are coming at you right now. Um, you know, I got my people in the building with me, my other host or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I kind of bring these guys and drag them along with me and whatnot, you know what I'm saying? But seriously, they're here to make me look like I know what I'm talking about. Shirk Dog, yell at him, brother. What's going on, Jayville? This is Shirk Dog. That's Billy my growl. Billy Illies, where you at? What it is, you know who it is. It's oh, boy, Billy. It's the boy with the country sign. We're going to delete everything you just said. I just want to put, that was uh, Big Phil, if you don't know. We have to always come back and, and, and renovate whatever he's doing. But we have some amazing guests in the building with us this week. And um, if you've been with us the past two weeks, um, we've been going in. You know what I'm saying? We've been going in on this conversation about millennials raised in the church, dropping out. Um, article just dropped recently by an author by the name of Sam Eaton. And he was just talking about how 59% of millennials raised in the church are dropping out of the church. And so we felt, man, we got to have a conversation about this. And so the past two weeks, we've been talking to millennials. Um, and this week, we have a Gen Xer and a baby boomer. And so I just want to introduce you to, um, we have Pastor Robert Morris. Mr. Morris, hello. say hello. How you doing, brother? Well, glad to be here. All right, glad to have you here. Keep your mic up to your mouth as much as you can. What church do you pastor? Uh, First Presbyterian downtown. Awesome, awesome. Y'all have the beautiful building down there. Old, beautiful building. 76 year old. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. And Pastor Weston? Yeah, Pastor Weston in the building. Pastor Weston. <laughs> and your church is? Exodus or DX. Most definitely. Yeah. All right, all right. So, listen, I think one of the things that's super important because, man, we got a crazy response last time about this conversation. Um, the conversation, listen, when we get on the air, we just go with the flow. And we like to let people say what they need to say. Um, and we and we try to guide it back to, um, and we try to keep it in a place that's honorable towards God and something that actually builds up the church. So you'll notice the conversations get heated. They're a bit opinionated. But here's the thing. We're actually talking to people who are actually in the church, devoted to the church, not people standing outside of the church throwing rocks at the church. Um, I think it's actually healthy for us to critique what we see happening in the church and to be realistic about the statistics we see. Um, but I think there's a big difference from standing outside of the church doing that but, uh, versus standing in the church, being committed to the church. Um, and the Bible tells us that Christ is married to the church. So we don't want to be going against anything that God is completely devoted to and, uh, and actually died for to make happen. So when we have these conversations, the concern is about building the church. And I just need everybody to know that before we jump into this. So let hold me up, hold up, hold up. Go ahead, Shirt. How would you recap the past two shows? Because it was If this is church. someone's first time listening to the show, how would you recap it? I think you have some. You, you recap it, Shirt. No, I, I, Phil should Phil. recap it. Uh, World War uh, uh, Three <laughs> or something, I guess you want to call that, because we had a couple of uh, millennials in here and. They had no filter whatsoever. They spoke their hearts. They spoke their minds. But I believe they were genuine in what they were saying. And they are uh, just honest and upfront about what they talked about as opposed to how they felt growing up in church. Both of them actually, uh, you had two different type of uh, millennials. You had one that actually had been in church for a significant amount of time, grew up pretty much being there almost 15, 16 years just growing up in church. And then you had one that... Um, no, he he was in church 
almost his entire life. And just the perspective of both of them were different but same in a sense because of their they were very focused and very uh, driven about their age brackets and being heard and under and knowing the importance of uh, you know wanting to have somebody listen to what they got to say because they felt like they weren't heard. They felt like a whole bunch of stuff. They just was going in, going hard, and um, I'll let y'all finish that up. But it was very interesting. So we wanted to try to get a different type of dynamic for the next show around. So yeah, Because you, we got a lot of feedback, too. Yeah, yeah, we, we got a lot of feedback. You know, I think, I think where a lot of people landed is, um, and we're going to get into this, some people were like, they were kind of comfortable with saying, well, you know, it's, you know, it's apostasy and people are hard-hearted and it's the Bible and they're just leaving out of the church in droves. Um, and, and some people seem comfortable with landing right there and sitting there. And I definitely want to ask you all about that. And then other people were like, no, the church needs to actually be responsible and repent for some stuff and look at what's wow. happening and look at the fact that we've been comfortable just doing church as is yeah. and not being honest about the statistics that they've been ugly for a long time. That's right. Like this didn't just pop up. This has been the current, but we've been doing the exact same thing, having a conversation um, the, the exact same way. And then one of the things they were also pushing on too was, you know, we kind of, we got into a couple things. We got into where's the love in the church, like where the biblical love that looks like sacrifice um, that calls us to actually share in suffering. We were going into these things in reference to how we deal with people, how we deal with the topic of homosexuality, how we um, are intolerant of people who aren't there. Like, you know, like where it starts to feel like the church is for people who are cute and got it all together. And we and, and we don't love people. One of the things I shared um, on, last, on last week's show was I remember that um, we had a young lady in the church and she came and told me one time. She said, uh, you know, Pastor Jay, I love the church. She said, but the fact of the matter is I'm way I'm way too messed up for y'all. She's like, I'm way too messed up. She goes, the speed of the church, it'll drag me along because it's not moving slow enough for somebody. She's like, you see how messed up I am? I'm way, I'm even more messed up than you can even see. And it just is what it is. And so I took it to the church and I told them that. I didn't get offended by that. I took it to the church and I said, what are we going to do? Are we going to be the type of church that put, goes pedal to the metal and does the cute stuff? Or are we actually going to do what God called us to do? And so... We, so the conversations went a lot into let's have some real conversations. And um, and I don't think everybody will be pleased with the way they land, but they're honestly where people uh, are landing at in, 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 in this bigger conversation. So we really thought it was important. I'm like, let's get it out there. Let's get people's um, opinions and and, uh, and we'll you know start a mess and then let the gospel kind of correct our hearts and drive it forward from there. But um, So it got messy. It got messy. <laughs> it it got messy. Of course. But let me... Let Any me, good conversation gets It's messy. supposed yeah, to. It's yeah. supposed to. Let me throw some grenades out here real quick for y'all to have to go into this conversation. All right? Because we really want to hear from y'all, right? So here's some st- uh, statistics that uh, Sam Eaton gives. He says, only two in ten Americans under 30 believe attending a church is important or worthwhile, which is an all-time low. 59% of millennials raised in a church have dropped out. of millennials have an anti-church stance, believing the church does more harm than good. And then millennials are the least likely age group of anyone to attend church by far. And this statistic isn't on here, but I just recently heard it. I haven't fact-checked it at all, but I'm going to just say I keep hearing it thrown around. 
the statistic I've heard is that there are 3,000 churches opening a month in the United States and that there are 7,000 closing a month. Wow. Like, and, 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 and here's the thing. If that statistic is off, whatever the real one is, it is that horrifying because I've heard several of them, and in my mind I can't even grasp that they're real, the, the numbers right now. And so, um, so Mr. Eaton, is, uh, he's pushing into these things, and, and so he says, uh, he says this statement here, which I thought was a great statement. He says, where is the task force searching for the lost generation? Where's the introspective, introspective reflection necessary when one-third of a generation is anti-church? Um, and so he goes into some of his points. I'm going to speed through some of them, and then we could get into the conversation. But he says nobody's listening. He says nobody cares what we think. Um, it says we are sick of hearing about values and mission statements. And he kind of goes on to say, like, we get it. Let's go get the work. Um, he says helping the poor isn't a priority. Um, we're tired of you blaming the culture, which is that stance of apostasy, and which some of it is, but I think we settle for that too too quickly to the point we don't have to look in the mirror. Um, then he says the you can't you can't sit with us effect. Pretty much this whole idea of we have these cliques, and you come in and it doesn't seem like there's room at the table for anybody else. Um, distrust and misallocation of resources which, you know, millennials or whatever, they think they're smarter than everybody in the world, you know, just to keep it real or whatever, but they're like... That's a fact. Yeah, they're, they're like, look, you know, we, we were addicted to, to drugs back in the days. They're addicted to efficiency. Like, it's like, you know, they can be the most loving people ever, but if they think that you're incompetent, they'll string you up and kill you. Um, just a reminder, Jay is a Gen Xer. I'm sick of you telling people how old I am, brother, all right? All right. Um, says, we want to be mentored, not preach that. Um, says, we want to feel valued. We want, to, we want you to talk to us about controversial issues um, because no one is. Um, and so I'm not even hitting all of them. It, it, um, but it says, it says you're failing to adapt to some of the other issues that came up. They're saying that the church is not adapting to the world and I know all of these conversations have nuances and things that get messy where it's like adapt or what you know we got to hold to the gospel also um but I think that uh, you know we, we we there's some stuff that we could listen on here there's some correction that would probably be needed to some of the people that hold these opinions but Shirk where do you think we need to start this uh party off at um I would just say first impressions just from hearing that what do you guys what do you guys think well, I, I think there's some truth there. Um, I don't agree with all of it, uh, and there's a fine line, but I, 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 I tend to lean towards the side of him talking about the church needing to take more responsibility. Um, I believe that uh, God doesn't change, but he does change, he does change how he deals with man, let me say that. His standards are the same, but we have dispensations for a reason because man changes. So God changes how he deals with man based on how man changes. Not that he has changed, but man has changed. And so that's what makes dispensations, right? Um, we feel like, you know, as a church that the church doesn't change. People change to become a part of the church. Well, that's a process. <laughs> we don't change today. We change through a process of time. And so I think we, as a church, try to clean them up before we catch them. And then once we catch them, we expect them to be, to fit into this box or this mold that we've created. And they only last for so long. 
And so that's why you find a dropping or a falling out. Um, and and I'm, I don't want to go too, too far, but, but this isn't new. You know, the Bible talks about Eutychus, which was a young man who dropped out of the church literally. But we could speak about that spiritually because young people are dropping out of the church in the same fashion. Yeah. And if we look at that story, there's a reason why. Could be because some people say, well, Paul was preaching a boring sermon. Some people say, well, it was because of his positioning in the back of the church, close enough to look outside and be attached to the world and be inside and still hear a sermon. I don't know. But I do know that if we looked at that passage, we could figuratively say that, you know what? Programming has a lot to do with why our young people are not involved and why they are falling out both physically and, and uh, spiritually. I think it's an issue of uh, authenticity. Um, when people come to any church, I think the question, particularly millennials, are asking, is it real? Mm. Yeah. Are they living out what they're talking about? And I come from a mainline denomination that has spent uh, decades trying to maintain an institution. And when churches begin to maintain are more concerned about maintaining positions and institutions and uh, people of holding on to power rather than authentically, radically living out the gospel, I think um, millennials smell that out. Yeah. And they don't want to have anything to do with it because it's not real. Yeah. But I would also, uh, well, so I agree with you. I, I think that a lot of folks... Uh, my understanding in Jacksville, and, and I've heard this thrown around, I don't know it to be a fact, but 75% of Jacksonville doesn't attend church at all. Mm -hmm. is, that is statistic, that right? yep. yep. How, many right. how many church? Why, why is that? There's church on every corner. Yeah. Several. Church, we, there's churches, and there, every time I turn around, there's a new church starting. Yeah. Um, but the percentage of people still living out the gospel doesn't seem to be increasing. Um why is that? It could could it be that we all? I, I'm guilty. I've been pastoring this church for a long time. Um, we get so busy maintaining the institution that we lose the authenticity of the radical command to love others and to share the gospel. And that's that's what I was about to. I was going to ask both of you. Just like, okay, this thing when you were saying about millennials, they smell when you're just not keeping it real. I don't think no nobody doesn't want the real as far as them being a Christian. Like there right. was a point in time where we could have said that about either one of your generations. Right. So what that's what I was gonna say. What has what has happened excuse me. What has happened that has got to the point to where we can even make that statement saying that they if it ain't real, they know it ain't real. Like what what has what if it if it if it's methods, if it's if it's our own sin, if it's our own just feeling of our own selves, like you know, and indulge within ourselves, like what what do we think has happened to have this big gap of saying y'all not real, we want to be real, and y'all not being real with us? Like what happened to your generations to where we can even make that comment as a millennial? Um, maybe a lack of humility on the part of the leadership. Um, 
we, we kind of laugh around First Press. Um, one of the things we say quite often is, if you knew all my sin, you wouldn't come, and if I knew all your sin, I wouldn't let you in the door. Um, but we all admit we're broken. We're all sinners. Um, some of us are a little further down the sanctification road than others. But I think that the level of humility and leadership is really important for authenticity. Yeah. To pretend we have it all together when, guys, we know we don't. Yeah. Um, we're just we're just broken people like everybody else who's trying to hang on to our Lord and Savior and, and um, point others to him too. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's in line with what you said about trying to maintain the institution. The church has become the building and the institution and not the people. And so um, through the generations of scandals, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, issues, you know, where, it, you know, the church has done something and tried to cover it up, uh, young people see that stuff. And then it, it brings a, a reproach against, you know, uh, uh, everybody for that matter. And, and what is, we begin to question what is real and what isn't. And we start looking for flaws instead of being open and exposing flaws from the beginning and saying, hey, we don't have it together, like you're saying about yeah. leadership, uh, I think they will appreciate that more as it relates to the authenticity and, and being real. Um, however, there's a fine line. I keep going back to the fine line because, like you said, that y'all say over at the church, if you saw my sins, if you do mine, I wouldn't let you. We all are flawed, yep. and we cannot hold anybody to a standard, and we got to teach that. Yep. Yep. We can't preach from the pulpit standard, 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 and, and, and then try to hold people to the standard that we don't hold ourselves to, and then vice versa, we can't make the standard. It's, it's, it's like the law. The law was never given for us to keep. It was given to point us to a savior. And so, same thing when it comes to teaching being authentic. Listen, the, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, I'm not going because there's hypocrites. There's hypocrites on your job. There's hypocrites in your neighborhood. Yeah. There's hypocrites at the hospital. Yeah. You're going to go to all of those places. But when it comes to church, we want true authenticity, authenticity, but there's a balance. Because at the end of the day, we all are flawed. Yeah. So I can't point out, you got to be real. And, and, and I'm going to turn it over to you guys, but I hold my church to this. We try to hold a pastor to a standard that we don't hold ourselves to. Now, yep. you should because I'm the pastor. Yep. But at the same time, yep. hear me clearly. Yeah. I'm a man just like you. And if I got to be on time, then you need to be on time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We, we, we play these games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when it comes to the millennials, they come into this atmosphere and they see, you know, the, the, the loved one who is raising holy hands on Sunday and then won't speak to them throughout the week when they run into them. <laughs> yeah. Or cussing somebody out. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. you know, I think that when we let those things breathe and function in our church as far as this um this this culture of just rules and laws right. and and it's not grace. Um but when it rules the culture in the church, it's the same noose that's gonna come hang you as the pastor later on, or it's gonna hang the church later on. And so um, you know, I think there's just a really big issue with us. Actually, there's one thing with, like, we admit that we sin and everything else. But how do you actually, I think a lot of people don't know how to actually groom the culture in the church to walk into that. So it's like we confess, we admit that, but do we functionally treat each other like that when, it's, when, when a brother's coming to you and they're saying, hey, look, I am struggling through porn, and do we now start to 
throw the cold shoulder or do we lavish them with the gospel and grace and mercy and forgiveness and everything else? And, you know, and I'm just using that particular thing, but just culturally, it right. doesn't feel like that. It's like, man, y'all are saying the right things, but right. I'm not feeling the right thing at all. And um, so, I, I like, I think we have to be committed to that thing in a really, really big way. And, um, you know, one of the things also I think that has, like, you know, now I'm going to take ownership of my Gen X position or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things I think that, that has been one of the sideliners of the church today is um, when you look at the gospel and it, and it talks about sharing and suffering and how be a, be a soldier, you know what I'm saying, and sharing and suffering. It's all throughout the word, this theme. We don't talk about sharing and suffering. Right. Um, when it talks about um, the Beatitudes and it's talking about blessed is the poor and, it, and, and the blessing is attributed to these things that sound like suffering, but we've now, the, now the, 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 it's something else. And so, um, it, you know, it's crazy to me because just even being a pastor, I hear people all the time and they're like, yeah, man, this is great. You know, I just really wish you had this, this, and this. And I'm like, man, cool. I wish we had that too. And I wish you would come serve and help build it. Right. You know, but the thing is also, I'm like, people sit in the church and feel like they're not entertained. I'm like, you must not be talking to your neighbor. Because all I get is calls all day with people ready to commit suicide and war and everything. So I'm like, you're really, yeah, it's, it seems like nothing's going on. Because right. you don't know. You're in the middle of the hood in this church, inside. Because there's sin in people's hearts. And so that kind of service attitude that you're talking about. Where that fine line of the church walking into the light, but also leading right. people into the light, also, right. it has to really, really happen because, um, and, and, and I'm gonna just add this one point too, or whatever, and y'all can comment on this. I think it's a big problem when we are, as leaders, are not in the streets functionally, like we're not with hurting people. I always make this statement it's like the Good Samaritan story. I just said in the church Sunday, it's as if we actually sip, we, we sit on the side of the street. And we write sermons about the people on the floor, That's good. on the ground bleeding across the street, instead of going over there. When our best work as the church is going to be standing right next to them, and 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 but we don't we don't do that, and we don't take that on. And so because we we and, and I'm generalizing. I know that's not every church. There's a million out here pouring it out, but generally this is the feeling. And I think the church has missed that. That is the feeling, or that's the that's where our PR in the world is going because we're not out there with them. Right. We don't talk to them. Yeah, I think it is. We phrase it like this: It's are we inward focused or outward focused? Yeah. And I think for many churches, mine included, we thought that the the way you grow a church is by adding significant programs. And if you could add enough programs, then you will scratch where people are itching. They will come, and then you grow them. And what I found is uh, that's still inauthentic. It's not. It's still not real. It's, it's 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 still not getting down to where people really live. There's nothing wrong with programs. You got to got to do some of that. I I get that. But I think particularly for the millennials, they don't want a program. They want to see it and experience what real ministry is. Yeah. They, um, the millennials we have in our church, and we don't have a lot, but we have some, they want to be involved in, in mission. They want to be involved in caring for people. They want to be involved in leading worship. 
They don't want to be talked at. They want to be part of it. That's good. Is that yeah, no, nah, one of the things that I, you know, in coming over here today, just thinking about the topic, um, one of the things that I think that you just mentioned is so imperative for ministries to do when it comes to millennials is involve them. They're creative as all get out. Mm -hmm. And that creativity has to go somewhere. And so when they, whenever you allow them to spread their wings, to get involved, to create the programs, we don't have the programs. Think about this. In every ministry, there's adult programming and then there's children or youth programming. That middle section, those millennials, uh, 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 and when I say millennials, I'm talking, you know, what is the ages for millennials? From it's like 80 to no, 82? No, no, no. no that, millennials. That's, we're not talking the yeah, yeah, we won't have no problem silent with those. generation. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I, think it I think it literally starts from oh, like... You're talking 1980. 1980. 1980. Oh, you, I thought we you were saying 80. Oh, no, 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 I don't think that's right. <laughs> it's like something wrong with that, I think it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like 1982 to like 2000 or something. It, it's like something yeah. like, uh, like 18 to 35. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. And so you're talking about young adults. Yep. And there's not much programming for them. Uh, they kind of, once you get out of that <laughs> youth department era, you're kind of an adult, you know, and you get mixed into the adult. Well, you're not quite an adult yet. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, definitely not in your thinking and responsibilities. And so there has to be programming for them. And they're very creative. So you allow them to get involved. They like to lead worship, just like you said. They like to do different things. You have to involve them. And if you involve them, they'll create their own world and, uh, and you'll, re you'll retain them until they get to that age where they understand the importance of doctrine and teaching and, you know, being consistent. Um, but the millennial, I think, is th the biggest issue is programming. There's nothing for them to do. You know, one of the other things that we've, we've noticed is that millennials and, and even the people coming out of high school now are delaying getting married and having kids. Mm -hmm. And for uh, mainline denominational churches, what happened was kids would be raised in a church. They'd kind of leave the church in college. They'd get married at mid-20s and have a kid within a year. And once they had the kid, they came back to church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, when that high school person goes off to college and now doesn't marry till they're 35, mm -hmm. They, don't, they haven't had that kid that drives them back to the church. They're just, and so you're right. It's like a whole... It's, it's, it's a gap. It's a gap. Singles ministry, if you have one, is about the only thing that they can get involved in. And That's all yep. singles want a singles ministry. Yep. Like, I know at our church, <laughs> Phil, let me tell you. At our church, I hear all the time, it's like, what can the singles do? How do we get the singles together? And, you know, I find it interesting, too, just thinking about the disconnect of some things like our culture, like we say, millennials want authenticity, and I think that's because, for me, I'm 31, I am a millennial, Jay. I think that uh, <laughs> killing me, killing it. I think it's because our culture does not provide authentic things. Everything's very fast. Everything's behind a keyboard. Everything is seemingly fake. Mm -hmm. There's yep. no person-to-person -person authenticity for millennials because we have separated ourselves through technology. agents of technology, right. whatever, um, or independence or, you know, whatever we want to do that the gap after college or after high school till you get married. It's like, go have fun, do whatever you want to do, be yourself, find yourself, travel the world, do all these things. And <clears throat> I think part of the problem is 
more and more families have um, not uh, have fathers who are absent. Mm. Yep. Generation yep. after generation. Yep. So now, our generation, specifically men and women, are looking for older people to mentor and train us and give us the things that our parents didn't. Mm. And so that's even, I think, a disconnect in the church because what I see is a lot of churches opening up, but they're mostly millennial churches. So then you have these two separate categories. Like to see a multi-generational church is a miracle to me. Wow. It means God's doing something amazing to have the full range of people. Because usually churches are either on the verge of either in their prime where they're all 40s and 50s, mm -hmm. you know, stable jobs and grinding out, doing amazing things, or they're past that, they're dying out, and they haven't got the next, or they're just starting. But to see, like, the fact that your church has been around 170-something years is amazing. It, I mean, it, it's a testament to something. But I think where we're at right now with the authenticity conversation is millennials want it because culture doesn't provide it. Millennials want it because our families don't provide it. Wow. And we want it because the churches don't provide it. And we've gotten, we've gotten used to the live behind the keyboard lifestyle. Like it literally has just overtaken a third of millennials. Like I mean, from that's that's the life we live. We we talk about what we're doing, what we got going on, and. 50% of it is probably not true. If, right. if it is true, it's not in the context of how we put it out there. Probably 95% of it's not true. Probably 95% of it is not true. And it's just like we've gotten accustomed to living our life that way. And we, you know, we're looking for it. We, we Even though we claim we're not, we're looking for it. And mm -hmm. I think it goes back to um, having someone there, like you said, hey, being real and being honest, leading and guiding. Discipleship, I, I view discipleship so differently now versus the way I used to view it in my early Christian walk. I thought it was just about, you know, this way of just you come to church with me, um, you know, and we sit down, we learn in church, and I try to teach you what the Bible says, and I just try to, you know, everything is spiritual. But discipleship is so much bigger than that. It's, it's your like life. Yeah. it's your life. Yes. It's like letting a person see literally how you live your life. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that one of the millennials said on the last show. He said that kind of shocked him. He said his father um, has been married two, three times, two times. Um, um, he's on his third marriage, and he said that he never saw his father argue a day in his life with his, any of his wives. So he was like, what, has, what has happened to the point to where he's on his third marriage? I don't know what is going on. He said it wasn't until he got with his pastor and his pastor let him inside his life and saw how him, his pastor and his wife go at it. They had these moments to where they not all, you know, they're not seeing eye to eye. They, you know, they're not really feeling each other. And he was like, where has this been all my life? Because now I understand you know, some mm -hmm. of why uh, things may have not have worked out with my father. And then it also teaches me that I may go through the same thing and don't have to result to what my father resulted to as far as my marriage is concerned. Mm -hmm. So I think it's seeing, letting people and letting these young people see your life. And, you know, that's 
I think that's the biggest important, the biggest thing when it comes that's, to that's it. That's a good point. You're basically saying, like, sometimes we think we're helping our children by protecting them, but we could be fostering bitterness Absolutely. and raising up an enemy against us because we're just not keeping it real with them. Absolutely. And, um, and not even showing how to resolve conflict. Exactly. Dead on point. Hey, listen. This is absolutely amazing, but we need to get a song in really, really quick. Yes. First of all, I just want to give a shout out. We're on Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. Um, we're sponsored by The Ville Church. You can check us out at theville.church. Um, that's the website, theville.church. All right. So listen, we're going to go to com- your Phillies. You got a song? I got a song, man. We're going to go ahead and do a song. I'm going to go ahead and play one of my own songs since y'all say I be uh, tooting my own horn. So You hey, do. You, bro, you just said you're going to play your own song. That is tooting your own horn. I might as well go ahead on the play it, but you know what? Hey, but that horn is nice. Yeah, we love your music, bro. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to play, play a song that got one of my bros in it that's on the show, Pastor Weston. Oh. And we're going to take it back to 2013, which is D-Boy called The Loud Boys. We got two of us here. Wow. Shout out to t one one third of the loud boys. We got to get him on the show too. Sure and we're going to play this song called Loud. Okay. That's, that's what the we jam. <laughs> Run it. Run it. Run it, DJ. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about to go down. It's time to get loud. Baby, cause the DJ Will in the building. So, T1, P West, Big Field. Let's get loud! Yes, sir! I hope you live it too. Yes, 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 We, 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 we are on some brand new. Never gonna turn back. Been there, done that. Got a t-shirt, took it off. Now, homie, we burned that. He ain't returning. We knowing his blessings. We are showing. You can't stop me, boy, from growing. But what you heard, I'm going. This is real. Real. Shorty, let me show you how it is. God put a jewel inside you. You just gotta live. Uh. Them haters just pray for them. Cause uh. they don't know what's real. real. They don't know what you've been through. Nah. They don't pay your bills. Just tell the Bible them lies. Girl, get up out my ear. My destiny is in Christ, so I'ma follow his will. Right. Stay focused cause they plotting. Right. But that just mean they watching. Watch. That's why we gotta go hard and we have no other options. Yeah. yeah. So many of my homies turned down this love. So the model that I live by is turned down for what? Not interested in following the crowd. Cause I'm living out loud and living it right now. Let's go. Dying to live out your destiny, child. It's your desire to make the whole world proud. Hate to see you smile. Rather see you frown. Every time you come around, they try to shut you down. It's too late for you to turn back now. Come too far for you to lose your crown. Never turn down. Bumping like mosquito bites. I know them demons, they be coming like a thief at night. But your boy ain't Nicodemus, I can see the light. They try to scare ya with the stuff they tell ya. But you can't fear, cause that is just a devil. He cannot derail ya. You are not a failure. If you're gonna 
excel, girl. Throw your freaking L up loud. Dying to live out your destiny, child. It's your desire to make the whole world proud. Hate to see you smile. Rather well, see you frown. Every time you come around, they try to shut you down. It's too late for you to turn back now. Come too far for you to lose your crown. Never turn down. Jacks, but this is your boy Jay Julius. This is the Bill Radio Show. And it's your boy Big Phil. Yes. And Shirt Dog is in the building. Every single Saturday at 6 p.m., come rock with us. Tune in to 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio, nothing but goodness. Man, we talk about everything from the gospel to gummy bears to game members. Come rock with us every Saturday, 6 p.m. The Bill Radio Show, where we're chilling like villains. Jump back in this field. By the way, that song is hot. Pastor Weston, you know the people. You got them skills, brother. I'm saying you not only preach or whatever, but you nice on the microphone. Thanks, bro. Alright, true indeed. So listen, I got something I want to hit y'all with, right? So, um, man, we're jumping in this conversation. We're talking about the millennials leaving the church. Um, let me just read this really quick. Um, I'm in James four. I'm in James four. And by the way, you look for that, we got some interesting comments right now on live stream. We got uh, one gentleman say his church is 183 years old as well. Um, I mean, just uh, been around for 183 years. And he said, we're facing a lot of these issues. So it's helping them a lot. It's, he says it's a huge disconnect. Um, I actually went and uh, ministered at their church before. And definitely trying. You can see that there's a um, uh, shout out to my man, Steve, Big Steve. He's definitely trying to do something with the uh, young people there, but there's an obvious disconnect, right? Most Um, definitely, most definitely. Look, I want to try to tie, I'm going to just read these two verses, and and, and we'll tie them into our conversation. Um, But this is James 4, and I'm going to just start reading from um, uh, verse 5. It says, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says, He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us, but He gives more grace, therefore says... God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then verse 8 says this. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Um, I'm pressing on this. I'm going to just give you an idea of why I'm reading the scripture. Because when we're talking about the church lacking repentance in a huge way, um, this scripture just comes to my mind. And and just because on the other end, it says that we're not, we're not God. We're not efficient. We don't have it all together. We're sinful. But he actually... He, he loves, he, he has abundant grace. He says it on, he says, but he gives more grace. So he's looking to graces with mercy, forgiveness, all this stuff before walking the light and admit our sins. So I want to tie that with this right here. This is Romans 15. It starts off, it says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. The reason I'm hitting on that scripture right, right here, one of the key parts in it is not to please ourselves. What I see happening in the church, in my opinion, is that we won't let the church be messy. Uh, and people who feel like they are professional Christians uh, are demanding to be pleased in the context of church. When, it, when they're called to lead, but they also they also are called to sacrifice, and I'm not so I'm not belittling the wisdom of our elders. We need them. We need them in our church. We need older people in our church to help lead the young people and help them grow. But in the meantime, while they're growing, they're going to have to tolerate some messiness. Right. Um, what, what, one of the compliments we get in this church is about it being real, and um, and that's to the glory of God. And, and it's something that we always struggle through, but. You know, we, we do this thing or whatever called um, evidence of grace. And people come to the microphone and they tell a story. And, they, you know, just a couple, um, maybe two months ago, we had a guy come to the mic and he was like, man, he's like, I stopped and helped this guy the other day. And this young man is a recovering uh, drug addict. But he said, I stopped to help a guy change his tire. And he's, he said, when I changed his tire for him or, or whatever he did, the guy said, uh, man, I don't have any money to pay you. And he, uh, he said, but he pulled out a whole bag of drugs and he was like, he had exactly what I love. And he just was talking about how bad he was struggling, um, to resist taking it, even though he's been clean for a while. And, um, and then, you know, he just, he, he, he had came to my house that week to talk about it, but he was talking about how he, uh, he just felt so dirty for that. But, you know, I was able to rejoice with him. I was like, bro, I'm like. Man, number one, it's amazing that you're walking in the light about it. It's amazing that you pushed through it. But even if you slipped up and you still came here to walk in the light, that would be a still an amazing example of God's grace and mercy working in your life. And so I'm just making that point to say it has to be able to get messy. And we need to look at pleasing our neighbors for the service of building them up. That doesn't mean to twist the what's right. It means to be tolerant. And, and so another example I'll say is this right here. We've been talking about this this week. I notice I, I see guys all the time on Facebook and they're arguing back and forth with people. And they are, I don't stand with this because the word says this and the word says this and the word says that. And 
after a while, you start to get the sense that they're actually uh, boasting about themselves. And it seems like we've stopped thinking about the people on the other side of us because we would be more inclined to say, hey, man, you know what? I understand why you're actually mad and you're even anti-God. Based on your story and what you've been through, that makes sense that you would land there. But that's really not what's going on. Let me walk you through this. Can we get coffee? And so this thing where we are focused on walking people to Christ over, like you said, organization or our own self-righteousness, it completely goes against the scripture. We're not fighting for the, we're not fighting to be obedient to God in this calling to build people up. We're not, we, we just simply not do it. We've checked out on it. So I want to throw that in front of y'all. Y'all can jump in on, on, on that. Well, Pastor Robert, I think from the beginning established it, you know, yeah. and when he said the institution, yeah. that was, that set the groundwork for it. That is the problem. Yeah. The institution is where we place all of our energy, our effort, our love. We, we have more grace for the institution than we do for the people mm-hmm. who make the institution. Come on. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. being, I'm being honest, there's, there's a passage in it, and it escapes me at the moment, but, and I'm paraphrasing, but it talks about how, you know, one would say that, that there's more honor to be placed on the gold of the temple uh, than the temple. And and that scripture deals with the fact that that's what we do. We, we, we place so much more energy and effort on the organization versus the organism, the, the people. And so even at our church, and it's a little plug, Exodus. Our mantra is where the people are becoming the church and not just coming to church. We have placed so much emphasis in the two and a half, three hours we spend in a building than we do building the people. Yeah. And God's called us accountable. And so when we talk about, have I not cast out demons in your name and healed the sick in your name? And he said, depart from me, you work for iniquity, I never knew you. That's what he's talking about. We've we've built so much institution-driven organizations that we can care less about the people. Grace was given for people. It's no different than the Bible. The Bible talks about when Jesus walked the earth and said, you know, how, how can you, you know, uh, heal this man in his Sabbath? And Jesus said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for the man. Yeah. We place more inference on laws and issues than people. Yeah. Repentance is the most beautiful thing ever that God created. Yes, indeed. You know why? Because we're going to fall. Yes. Every one of us in ways that we know of and do not know of. Straight up. You understand what I'm saying? And his mercies are made new every, every morning. See, how can I condemn a man that God woke up? Straight up. If he woke him up. <laughs> what, what you got to say? What you going to say? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think it comes down to the servant hearts of the leaders of the church. Yeah. Are, are we willing to get into other people's messes? Not to condemn, but to walk alongside. Yeah, it's uh, it's costly to do that. It's it's easier to pretend that everything's okay than it really is to get involved in someone's mess. But isn't that the gospel? Just the gospel. Isn't, isn't that exactly what we're supposed to do? And if the leadership of the church, if they somehow place themselves above rather than as servants. Um, 
I, I think we're going in the wrong direction, and I, I don't think it honors our Savior. And I'm at, at some point, you even quit talking about the gospel. Yeah. It becomes uh, works righteousness, and, yeah. and the gospel is dead. Yeah. So it, I think the question we have to ask ourselves as church leaders is um, about our own hearts. And are we truly willing to become servants of, of our Lord and servants of our people? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if a pastor doesn't need the gospel, his church will not need it either. Mm. And um, so, hold, say that one more time, brother. You want to look into the? Yes, say that one more time. If the pastor doesn't need the gospel, his church won't need it either. Mm. That's a bad, that's a sad situation so, right there. Here's my question, to you guys, because we have about ten more minutes in the show. What would you want to say to millennials, either on the fence? Or outside of the church that we were once in the church, what would you want to tell them about the church? Um, I would say, young people, um, it's personal. Don't don't allow your past experiences, your current feelings about an institution, an organization, a person, to deter your relationship uh. with your savior. It's personal. Uh, there's going to be failures everywhere you go. There's going to be people who say one thing but really have ulterior motives everywhere you go. It's personal. When you stand before him, he's not going to hear about who did whatever or what church let you down or you know why you left. It's going to be personal. So um, get back in there. And, and, and where you see the mistake, this is where we need you. Let me, let me make this clarion call. This is where we, we mess up. We don't have the answer, but you do. This is where we need you. We need you to come in and to bring the ideas, to bring the concepts, to bring the energy that we need to reach your generation because we don't have the answer. Now, I'm saying that as a church, but uh, let me retract re something here. I'm a Gen Xer, which means I'm a part of the gap and the bridge. So I really, I really would wish my generation, that's why I thank God for Pastor Jay doing stuff like this, because my generation really is where we need to bridge this situation at. We got some on here, too. We got some on here. They look. Oh, they, okay, wait. Well, I'm y'all. Yes. Every last one of y'all. We, we're the ones in the club. We're the ones making the decisions that, you know, uh, these young people have to battle with what's right and what's wrong. It's our generation that the millennials looked up to. And so if we would be the ones to Extend a hand to say, hey, man, come in, y'all. You know, Get active. What is it that we need to do? What is it that you'd like to do? And then put programs and, and things together for them and love on them right where they are. I believe that we'll see a turnaround in the millennial generation. So, Pastor Weston, peace. Pastor I think it's a two-way street, too. I think it's what you're saying. Um, I think the church needs to repent. My guess is millennials need to do some repenting, too. Absolutely. And um, I know that in, as a baby boomer, we've had to continue doing some of our own repenting. And what that means is to understand that the church doesn't have it together, but neither do we uh, as any generation. The church is where um, faith is born and nurtured. And because it is sometimes faulty and failing and sometimes uh, misses the mark, don't give up on it. Um, so my, my charge to you is, is this, is that I do believe that the church is, is the bride of Christ. 
don't give up on the bride. Uh, if you want to see a change, you can't do it by sitting outside the church and casting stones or, worse, ignoring it. you got to walk in the door, and you got to talk to them. People will listen. And if they don't, there will be churches that will. Believe me, they're out there. People with authentic leadership and people who really love Jesus Christ want you there. We've got to figure out how to do it, but it can't be us doing all the changing. You've got to do some too. Amen. Says I'm a generation X, so you know what I'm saying? Pastor. <laughs> Tell us about it. Come on, Pastor. Now, you know, one of the things I say this right here. So I think a lot of people, you know, just a common word is church hurt. I've been through the same thing before, feeling all type of ways, um, still remaining in church, but actually, um, you know, being very bitter and very disgruntled. And so for people who are out there that are listening and they feel that way about the church or whether you're still standing in the church or you're outside of it, one of the things I want to tell you is that your grief that you're feeling actually might be some insight from God that he's given you concerning the church. Mm. And you might be taking that insight and actually hitting the road when he's actually calling you to jump into the war. That's good. The thing that I think that we miss and don't understand is that it's war. Like, it's, it's war. Like, you know what I'm saying? You you, you have to come this thing in. And uh, I think growing just as a man, I realized, really, you got to sit at the table. If you got a problem, it's kind of corny to sit in a corner and just be this grown. But if you really want to handle it, you have to come to the table and you have to sit and work through it. We're not perfect. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not. You be with your wife. Y'all ain't going to always see eye to eye, but you got to come to the table and work through it. And that's how stuff actually moves forward. God called us to actually war for his church. He died for his bride, and he's calling us into sharing suffering. That's biblical. So some of the things that have deceived us in this conversation is that we think we're supposed to show up at church. It's supposed to be a buffet full of stuff that, you know, just serves us or whatever. And, like, you know, we need to make sure it has everything. Um, the gospel is faithful and true. And one of the things that we do is that we start to actually try to give God a facelift. Instead, it, it, like when we see things we don't like, we start trying to change God around instead of giving God the cred credibility of being holy, perfect, you know, king of kings and lord of lords, and we, must, we may be off. So instead of dealing with us maybe being off, we start trying to change who God is. And so that's a gross sin. None of us want to do that. We don't want to go down that lane. It's not going to help any of us. Um, but once again, that thing you feel might be an actual it might be your, your, your calling papers, like, to step into the war. Um, I never in my life thought I'd be pastoring a church and preaching at, at a, preaching and leading the church. But a lot of those griefs that were with me out there, they're exactly what God used to push me to come serve him. And those perspectives are relevant today. Matter of fact, what we're talking about is one of those things that were with me when I was standing out there, man. So get in the war, man. We call you, sign up, get in the game. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, there's souls to be saved. You know what I'm saying? There's souls to be saved. I, you know, in some ways, I actually grieve that we even have to slow down to have these particular conversations because this thing that the way I wish the church was moving that we's out there chasing the loss in such a way and sacrificing for each other in such a way that you know people couldn't even throw a rock at what the church is doing. That's that's how God is going to get His glory and how He's glorified through our sacrifice and through the way that we love each other. That's a big part of this conversation. We got a lot of things we're sitting around mad at each other about, and we want to go take over the world, but we won't even love our neighbor next to us. Mm. We, 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 mm. we, we actually are fine with 
just functioning in flattery and all these little games. And that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us to walk through this thing with each other in a way that confounds the world. He's called us to forgive each other because guess what? In the church, we're going to stab each other with daggers. But it's a very big difference when a brother can stab you with a dagger and then y'all can sit and walk through it and forgive each other and take that long walk. And the world needs to see it. That's all I'm trying to say. Wayne? Yes, sir. We got one minute. Listen, Pastor Robert, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for letting me be here. Most definitely, Pastor Weston. Sure. Y'all brothers, man, yo, we appreciate y'all, man. We, we have to, I'm going to come up with something. Y'all got to come back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's, get, it's getting good. I, sure I, I, we ain't trying to do no, no series out of this, but it's just really good, and I think it's very informative. And, uh, and you, you, we get a great amount of response from everybody, like, presenting to this subject. And I think it's something that people have been wanting to hear for a long time. So, you know, we got to get find some way to get them back and get somebody else in here and just keep this going because I think this is good. Most definitely. Okay, so let me... Let me take us. Let me take us out real quick. One hundred three point seven FM Pure Radio, thirteen twenty AM. Listen, people, pray for your pastors. Pray for your church. If you're in the church, pray for the people that are outside of the church. And that's not to just deal with your heart. How can we love people more? And how can we stop? Um, how can we start sacrificing? If you if you're strong and you planted in the church, what? How is God calling you to sacrifice to love those who are weak and take that long walk with them? You know what I'm saying? So we appreciate y'all. God bless you. This is the Bill Radio Show. Peace in the Middle East. Yo, what's up, Jacksonville? This is your boy, Jay Julius. This is the Bill Radio Show. And it's your boy, Big Phil. Yes. And Shirt Dog is in the building. Every single Saturday at 6 p.m., come rock with us. Tune in to 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio, nothing but goodness. Man, we talk about everything from the gospel to gummy bears to game members. Come rock with us every Saturday, 6 p.m. The Ville Radio Show, where we're chilling like villains. <laughs>